This is Pastor Scott Hidman from Clovis Hills Community Church, and you are listening to the Clovis Hills Podcast. You are about to hear from one of our teaching pastors here at Clovis Hills. I want to encourage you to download the Clovis Hills app where you can follow along with today's notes, submit a prayer request, or give to the ministry of this church. I hope today's message encourages you and draws you closer to the heart of God. We, we have a guest speaker. I invited her to come. I knew she was going to be in town. I said, well, you have to come preach. And... Um, if you don't know Kimberly McNeil, um, her fingerprints and her husband Dave are all over this church. So um, years ago, because um, you're only like 28, so it had to be about eight years ago, right? Okay. Years ago, she came as a member of this church. She was a Southern Baptist missionary, and she became a member of this church. And eventually, they, they hired her, and she was the, the worship leader and a worship pastor, and then she was a small groups pastor, and then she became a teaching pastor. And her husband, Dave, had been the youth pastor here for years and years and years. How Anyone here have Dave as a youth pastor in this room? Hold, hold, hold them up. We've got a few of you guys, and you're still sane, so that's good. Um, they just have been such a blessing to this church, and um, I always tell them, I tell Steve, I tell everyone that's come before our current staff and, and church now, we all stand on their shoulders, don't we? And, and so goes this church is because of the sacrifices they've made and now the sacrifices we made. So you guys are in for a treat today. I, this is the, the third time I get to hear this sermon and it is excellent. I want you to give a warm Clovis Hills welcome to Pastor Kimberly McNeil. Oh, thanks, man. Awesome. It is so awesome to be here and um, of course there are familiar faces and then there are some people that I've not met but hopefully you will get a sense of my personality right as we get started. So um, you know I love Clovis Hills, I love being here with you, I love all that you are, all that you stand for and it was just, it's just been one of the highlights of my life to have been a part of being here and uh, just think a lot of you. And I bring this message to you um, somewhat is just feeling like maybe we have something in common and some of you will be able to relate to what I'm saying. Now, uh, recently I uh, went to the gym, you might say. I've decided that I need to exercise because I'm not 28. I've crossed over that age of 50. And now they tell me if you don't go to the gym, you're not going to make it, basically. That's what they say, right? So um, now if we're friends, you know I don't like this. This place is called Lifetime Fitness. That is the antithesis of who I have been up until now. I am not Lifetime Fitness. I hate to work out. Uh, I hate to sweat. I hate all those things. I've had a few stints here and there that have just kept me alive, but that's been about it. And so, but, but it just seems like that's what I ought to do. So I get over there, Lifetime Fitness. It's a big place, and uh, it feels like a city in there. That's why I like it, because there's a lot going on. I don't have to think about what I'm really doing there. So I get in there, and um, I start taking bar classes. Now, mostly women take bar classes. There have been some guys in there. I've never taken bar class, because uh, I've been out of this game almost always. And there is, uh, there's a room, it's, you know, it, it's, and there's ballet bars, okay? So the mirrors and 
And you got the bars, and then, um, and, you know, I'm thinking it's like ballet. It's going to go at a pace. I can do it. It's going to be okay. Listen, just because it's called bar and there are ballet bars doesn't mean it's quiet in there. It is not. It is loud. She is still yelling at you. She is still urging you, one more, one more, this, that, and this, you know, whatever. And so it's, it's not what I thought. And then, you know, there's mirrors everywhere, and I'm just, I'm just going to admit to you right now, here's me. Because uh, there's plies, so you're, there's still like these squatting things that you're doing, you know. And my head is in the mirror above everybody else's in the class. And, and I talked to the teacher, and she says, well, you're tall. And I said, you and I both know that's not the reason. Okay, I can't squat as far down as everybody else because I am out of shape. So I feel awkward in there because everybody else is down. My head is just floating above everybody's in the mirror. And then, um, you know, you, you, you think, how long is this going to be? And so you take the 8.30 to 9.30 class, and then... At, at some point, you're like, what time is it? And you look at but the, the, the clock is in all these mirrors, and you, you can't register right then, and you don't know if it's 10 till 9 or 10 after 9, and you're begging God there's only 20 minutes left, and not you've only been in there 20 minutes. And, and these are the things that are going on. And then, of course, you think you've got the routine down, and then they switch it up, and she says, she says muscle confusion is the way to the future of, of, of strength. And I'm like, muscle confusion, that is the whole thing we are doing in there. It is all confusing. Now, uh, the, the best part about it is there's a bar there that you hold on to most of the, the whole time. And so I appreciate that about bar class. Now, uh, to get going in this venture, of course, you know what I needed? I needed some clothes because that's what I like. And so I went shopping and because uh, I needed to buy some, some, some stuff to wear for this wedding adventure. So uh, I'm sure you know these things are expensive if you're buying the finer things. Well, I can't do that. So I went to TJ Maxx, and I found this first shirt right here. You see this? Free your mind, free your soul. It's a little new agey. I didn't like that so much, but I thought there's scripture in there. I can, I can bring and take captive every thought. You know, Jesus. I'm like, this will be very motivational. So I got this shirt. One wasn't enough. I went back the next week. And I found this shirt right here. Everything hurts. And I'm dying. I am getting far with this, and I'm making friends. This is a good conversation piece, and all of a sudden, people want to talk to me. And everybody's like, mm-hmm, yes, sir. You know, I'm like, yes, right. So that shirt has really worked out. I'm making friends now over there. Um, now, here, now, here's the thing. Uh, I am really working out and, and going to this fitness club because I have an enormous amount of time on my hands. And for the last seven months, I have been unemployed. I haven't been working. Uh, if you know our story, when we first moved to Nashville, which was seven years ago, it took me two years to find a ministry position in a church. And then I finally found one. And then after four plus years, I just recently resigned in December. Now, Dave still works at this church. It is a good church. It's a good place to work. They take care of their employees, and, uh, and they really liked me. But for me, it just wasn't really working out. Where, where my giftings and my calling and my passions are, there just wasn't a place for that to fit in. And somehow the grief of that and who I've been and how I've lived up until that point, I just couldn't get past it. And it really was uh, disheartening for me and almost crushing my spirit. And so I've been hoping to find something new to do and looking around. And, and I, I think you'll understand the type A Enneagram number one, uh, they, they call that perfectionist, but also reformer. And I prefer you call it reformer. Uh, the person, uh, that person who finds themselves in a second season of unemployment 
in what was supposed to be the most impactful decade of your entire life and the height of your career and influence in this world. And then to sit there and just have nothing and find nothing that really fits. And I've really faced some dark days in that. And I've asked the Lord for direction. I've examined my heart over and over again. And I have sought wise counsel, but I still find myself in this season of adversity. And I'm not the only one. There are other women. And, and, and it's just there's just not a lot of positions for women in the American church today. And so it has been challenging and, and it's just been extremely disheartening. And all I can say is that there are some days that I wake up and everything hurts and I feel like I'm dying. Now, I'm waiting on the Lord and I'm waiting for something new. Uh, I'm thinking, eliminate the opposition, make a way for me, change my direction. I am open to doing other things. Um, I'm old enough to know, though, that God doesn't waste seasons. And so I believe there are layers of things. Things happen within us within a waiting season, and God does things. But all that is not clear to me just as of yet, though the one thing that I do know is that I have a heart for people who are in a season of adversity like I've never had before. And it's not because I haven't had challenges, but I've never been quite in something like this where to the core, I just didn't know my purpose, who I am, what I'm doing. What is this all about? And so it has been difficult, but I realize this is what people experience. And I get it more than I've ever gotten that before. And so maybe that is you, that maybe you are in a season of adversity, that something is working against you, there's someone who's opposing you, you're up against something in your career or in your family, you're facing a crisis that you never thought in your life you would be involved in. And there's obstacles, there's roadblocks, there's dead ends. And they don't seem to be from the Lord. They seem to be rooted in the fallen world in which we live. But he is allowing them for some reason. He has allowed this season. And so you might feel rejected and you might feel stuck. You might feel disappointed or even brokenhearted. And some days you might find that everything hurts and you just feel like you're dying. The good news in this is that God is with us in those days. He is doing something new. That is what he is all about. And when we read the Psalms, most of them penned by David, he gets this. He knew what it was to have enemies. He knew what it was to live in a season of adversity. He often felt confused by his circumstances, and he knew what it was to be stuck in a pit. And David asked the same question that we ask, which is not always just why. That one's always looming. But at some point, I think there is a time when we can trust the Lord that he has a reason for it. But then we get to the question that is, how long? Right? How long? But there are some things that we cannot know, and God's timing is one of them. We cannot know what God's timing is. Now, David says a lot in the, in the Psalms. He says there are things that we do know. We know that God sees us. We know that his love is steadfast. We know that he is going to rescue us. We know that he is with us, and we know 
We know that there is a new song coming, that our situation is going to change, that he is going to do something new. And we're believing him to know what that ought to be and to know when. Okay, so then I spent time, I got that settled. All right. I will try not to ask how long anymore. I believe he knows the timing. So what happened was I moved on to my next question. (laughs) And my next question was, okay, so what do I do right now? What do I do in this space of time when I am waiting What do I do in this land in between, as someone say? And while I am that type A Enneagram number one, and waiting is hard, there's not too many of us in this Western culture that are really great at waiting. It is not something that we often have to do or really want to do, and we're not really trained for it. Now, David, he has spent some time in this space. There's, in that space, he's lost confidence in himself sometimes. He's lost confidence in God sometimes. And he writes the Psalms, and he writes Psalm 27. And that is what I want us to talk about today, Psalm 27. And I want to show you some things that David does when he is in this space. What do I do while I'm waiting? Here's what David does. If you'll look at verse 6, and I'm just going to read it to you. David says, I have asked one thing from the Lord. It is what I desire, to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, gazing on the beauty of the Lord and seeking him in his temple. For he will conceal, he will hide me in his shelter. And what it means there is he will hide me in the lair. He will hide me in the lion's cover. He will protect me during this time. And in the day of adversity, in the day of trouble, he will hide me under the cover of his tent, meaning he will invite me as the host of this place, this tent that's given over to the guest that someone is welcomed and invited into, where the time can be devoted to rest and the restoration of strength. That is the kind of tent that he's talking about right here. He says, then... He will hide me under the cover of his tent. He will set me high on a rock. He'll lift me. God is that rock. Then my head will be high above my enemies around me. I will offer sacrifices in his tent with shouts of joy. I will sing and I will make music to the Lord. There's one thing that David says that I know too. The only thing I'm sure of in this season of life is God's presence. He is with me. He is with you. It doesn't matter the circumstances. He is always there. And he is loving us through it. He is leading us through it. He is with us. And when David says, he talks about the tent and the house and the temple early on. Those are the places of worship. And David is not asking, can I be a Levite? Can I be a priest? Can I be a worker today in this? He is asking, can I simply enjoy the presence of the Lord in this space? And I believe it would be good for us to then see this space as a sanctuary. To see this space as a sanctuary. Sometimes we think sanctuary is just like a, a particular location or a place or maybe when people are together. But this time is like a sanctuary. And he says in there, he's going to gaze on the Lord. He's going to be preoccupied with him. He says, I'm going to shout with joy. He's going to lean in to joy in that space. And sometimes that's hard when you're not feeling good about life. 
when you're wondering, I don't know what's happening, it is hard to lean in to joy. But that is what David is seeking to do in this sanctuary as he worships the Lord. Uh, I am, I've been so taken by uh, Sean and Kelly, and you know, they are in a season of adversity. And all this hiking that they're doing and these pictures of these great places of God's creation where they are, they are leaning into joy of the Lord, and they're a great example to us. I think of what happened with uh, Pastor Steve and Shirley and the loss of their son and, and what that is like. And yet I see Shirley going, taking trips to New York City to see the grandchildren leaning in to the joy that she has from the Lord. She is an example to us. Sometimes that's hard. Um, before in seasons of adversity, you know, and this was just, I mean, I, those are great examples. I would just go shopping, see. That was how I leaned into the joy, right? I'm having a bad day, Dave. I'm going shopping. But that doesn't fit with my season of adversity of unemployment, and I've been having a problem finding my, my how am I going to lean into the joy uh, because I'm just, I've got that, that's just where I'm at. But anyway, that, that's beside the point. Okay, listen, in this space, in this sanctuary, this, this is where strength is renewed. This is where bold courage is birthed. This is where your strength is restored. This is where God births the new thing. As we are in his presence with him, and we are worshiping him, leaning in to who he is. Now, in the Psalm 27, and in other ones, I love when David writes things, because he's just, he's just so honest about things, right? And so many Psalms, when you study them, there are two parts. There's the one part that is that joyful declaration, and he is just so faithful talking about who the Lord is to him and who the Lord is, and he is going on and on, and that's like verse one and two, and then you get to verse three, and he's like, did you forget me, Lord? Help me, Lord. All of a sudden, it's this plea for help, and so joyful declaration, and then a plea for help, and you're like, what is wrong with you? You're, you're like... You're on both sides. I mean, it's the, it's the same psalm. It's the same time. And yet, that is what it's like. And I would say, that is what my human experience is like. Where, where sometimes I am in this joyful declaration time and I, am, and I am confident in the Lord. And then the next thing I know, I am pleading for him. Have you forgotten about me? I can relate to what David is saying in this psalm. Now, I want to show you his joyful declaration in Psalm 27. So I want you to look at verse one. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom should I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Whom should I dread? Whenever evildoers come against me to devour my flesh, my foes and my enemies stumbled and fell. And though an army deploy against me, my heart will not be afraid. And though a war breaks out against me, I will still be confident. He is declaring who God is and who God is to him. And the first thing he says is that he, he affirms that the Lord is his light, right? He says, he affirms the Lord is his light and his stronghold. When he says the Lord is his light, when you look at scripture and you look at the meaning of light, the light is the source of well-being for people. That's the source of well-being in our lives, that God is that light. So who's the light? God is the light. That's where the well-being comes from. And there are times when you are in a waiting season, and, it's at, and there's adversity everywhere, there's an opportunity for you to be tempted to think 
that maybe something or someone else could shed some light on this situation. And I think that that's great. I think that we need to invite people to help us. I think that we should look at some other sources. There are new ways of looking at things. But we, we need to be careful that we don't look for some other kind of light for our well-being, for the peace in our soul. It's only God who is the true light and the source of well-being for us. And then secondly, he affirms God as his stronghold. And in, in Scripture, the stronghold is the picture of the safe eternal refuge of the soul in God. It's where we're saved from our enemies, our oppressors, our sin. God is our stronghold, and he is the one where we find our security, which we usually lack in this time. We find our security when we find our strength. He is the one that has that, and he's the one who has the confidence. We find that in him. And again, there are temptations to let other things, other people be our strongholds. Um, sometimes maybe... Uh, we think the church is going to do that for us, the, the local church. That's not true. The church in the community makes all the difference in the world, but they don't take the place of God as the one, the stronghold of our life. It's not a temple. It's not our money, not our wealth. It's not networks. It's not our contacts. It's not LinkedIn. It's not Instagram. If you're dating, it's not Tinder, okay, for the young people. It's not family. It's not the best of friends. It's not your worst enemy. Those are not the strongholds. God is the stronghold. He is the one who gives us security, strength, and confidence. And so David is declaring that and affirming he is full of confidence. And then we get to the next verse on seven. When you get to seven, the next that, that section after the sanctuary... All of a sudden, here is the plea for help. He does not really even sound like the same guy who opened up this thing, but he is. And this is where he acknowledges his fears before God. And I think that's what we need to do. We need to acknowledge our fears before God. And so in verse 7, listen to this. Lord, hear my voice when I call. Be gracious to me and answer me. As, as if now David thinks, well, maybe, he, maybe he's not going to hear me. So, Lord, I just want to make sure. Hear my voice when I call. Be gracious to me and answer me. My heart says this about you. Seek his face. And, Lord, I will seek your face. I will seek your approval. I will seek your favor. I will seek the presence of the Lord. And then in 9, do not hide your face from me. Now, just earlier there, I did not get the idea that, that David was worried about that. But all of a sudden, he's saying, I just want to make sure. Lord, do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. In biblical times, the bond between the master and the servant, it was thick. It was serious. It was gold. It weighed something. It mattered. And he is saying to the Lord, don't forget our relationship. Don't forget about that. And I'm kind of surprised, right? He didn't seem to be that way in the beginning. But he, but he says, he says, don't turn away from your servant in anger. You've been my helper. Do not leave or abandon me, God of my salvation. And verse 10, even if my father and mother abandon me, forsake or desert me, 
even if those that you are closest to, even those who you would consider are in your tribe, people that you have felt that you belonged to, even if they let you go, even if they abandon you, the Lord cares for you. The Lord cares for me. God's love transcends all of that that can happen. And, and I just want, I just want you know, in my situation, I just want to hear you, want you to hear me say, um, and for those of you who know me, it'll make sense, but I mean, I've spent my whole life in church ministry, and, and I, I loved it. It's hard, but I did. I loved it. I love serving the Lord. I love to go to church. Some of you in here, I begged you to come here. I am into it, right? I'm all about it. And I'll tell you, there's days, there's days in, this, in these last seven years, in the last seven months, I'm like, you know what? I don't want to go. I don't want to go to church. I want to be the church. That's how I'm thinking. That's how crazy. Because I feel like I've kind of lost my tribe, right? I'm having a, a trouble finding where I fit in, all right? We all go through that. Some of you have been through it. Some of you are in it right now. So I just want you to hear say, I get that. I get it. And during these seasons, I think it's important that we pay attention to our tears. I don't know if David is crying here, but I think he cries sometimes. And, and, and there's something about tears that matter. Old spiritual teachers used to say that it was important to pay attention to your tears because they told you something. They told you the story of what was going on inside your soul. And uh, I was talking with a friend uh, a few days ago, and we were going over the, all the details of my situation, and we were updating and, and all these kind of things. And I was doing so good. I was not crying. I was like, I'm doing good telling this story. And I was, I was going in, and we're going on. And all of a sudden, I said one statement, one sentence, and I just felt it well up like this, and the tears just poured out of my eyes. And I thought, apparently, that one statement is a problem for me right? It told me where the struggle really is. It told me what's really disheartening, what really bothers me. And I took note of that because you know what I can do? I can pray about that specific thing because when we pay attention to our tears, they can lead our prayers effectively. They can lead our prayers effectively. And now uh, verse 11, he says, because of my adversaries, Show me your way, Lord, and lead me on a level path. Do not give me over to the will of my foes, for false witnesses rise up against me, breathing violence. And I want you to know, when he says, lead me on a level path, David is not asking for the easy road. He's not saying, can't you make this easier for me? That's not what this means. The level path he's asking for is, can you just smooth this out a little bit so that I don't trip? So that I don't stumble, so that I don't misstep here, that would give my enemies, that would give my circumstances, my situation, an edge on me. That I would not be overcome by the false witnesses that are around me, whatever or whoever they may be. Lord God, can you make it a level path so that I don't trip and fall? I think that that is an important thing to note. It's not going to be easy, but we can ask God to help us with that. So that, right, that's David's plea for help. Now, you can see he's got both those things going on. And I would say this, and this is why I bring Psalm 27 to you, that I feel this, uh, both of these things. 
And it's like, um, one day, I'm confident, I'm faith-filled, I feel expectant. And the next day, fear owns the day. I plead, I cry, I retreat. The one day I'm making lists of everything possible and what I can do, the next day I tear those lists up. I stay home, I don't take any phone calls, right? There's something about that. And for me, I have been looking in the mirror over this, over this time frame of seven years and seven months, really, feeling like what is wrong with me? Is my faith not strong? What's the deal? You've been walking with the Lord a long time. I don't know why you got this back and forth thing going on. Are you double-minded? Is your faith not as strong as it should be? Or where are you? What's the deal on that? And I thought, I get David because I feel both faith-filled and I want to be brutally honest with the Lord. It's both. And sometimes it's one day this and one day that. Now, back to bar class. So I'm in bar class, and uh, they hand me a bar. No longer is the bar glued to the wall. Now I have to hold it free. It's a weights bar. I know many of you are more familiar with this. This is a little new to me. Dave has one. I don't ever lift it up. Although I went home later, his is heavier than the ones I'm choosing in class because they have different ones, and I choose the lightest one, maybe three pounds or five. I don't know. It's heavy for me. Okay. So we have to hold the free weight bar. And she starts out, and we're standing there, right? And we've got it because we're going to go like this. Right? And I can feel muscle. I'm like, okay, I'm building muscle. And I'm going like this. And then we get to a certain part, and she says, okay, flip the grip. And that's when we're going to hold it like this, right? And so now we're going to go like this, and we're going to work the, and we're going to, and I'm telling you, we're doing this. And she says, flip the grip. And the whole bar class just lit up with the light of God. I felt like it streamed off the mirrors. And I heard the Lord get my attention and say, Kimberly, you need to flip the grip. I was like, what? I'm telling you. This is, this is a true story. I didn't make this up. This is how it goes. And, and I got in there and I thought, this is what's happening. There are days when I am affirming the Lord as my light and my stronghold, and then there are other days when I am pleading for his help. And you know what? That's okay. That's what it is to have a human experience with the Lord, in the Lord's presence. It is okay. It does not mean that you are faithless on that other day. It means that God is doing something different. And so we flip the grip. And it's not really just up to us about flipping the grip all the time. We need to trust the Lord's leading and trust his timing to flip the grip. And I feel that every day. I feel like there's some days I get up, I just have energy to dream up new things, to write new things, to put stuff together, to make lists. I put stuff up on the wall. I feel like that. And then the next day I'm like, I don't know, that's not going to work. You know, Lord, where are you? What am I doing? And I feel like that. But I feel like the Lord, I felt all these days, I feel like the Lord is saying to me, hey, okay, today we're just going to rest in me. And if we need to cry, we're just going to cry. And that that is okay. And it doesn't take away from the, this day over here where you were energetic, faith-filled, affirming, and confident. You need this day and this day. And it is the Lord God Almighty who brings it all together. Now, I need you to think about your season of adversity. I need you to think about what you've been dealing with if you have something. 
How do you need to flip the grip? Has God been leading you in different ways? For me, in a career sense, some examples of, 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 the, of the hard things of practice and what I'm doing. One of those things is that, like I said, there's days I make plans to change things. Then there's other days I love what is. Make plans to change things, love what is. It's between those two things in my heart, mind, and attitude. I also signed up for some executive coaching. Now, I've always done leadership development. I'm a believer. Uh, I've done counseling. I've done these kinds of things. Um, but I've never had executive coaching. If you're young and you haven't done it, I recommend it. I wish I had done it sooner. Now, uh, I don't mean that because it's fun, because it's not. It's not fun, all right, because it's just someone sitting and pointing out all of your bad habits and explaining how you're getting in your own way and what you need to change. I mean, it's a delight to pay $100 an hour for that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. And so, um, and then, you're th and then you, at this point, you know, at, at this point in my life, I'm like, can I really change that? I don't know. And so there's executive coaching. I've had Tammy. I've had Janet. This is what we've done. So I meet with them. And it's good. And it's, it's uh, proactive, et cetera. Then I go and I have another meeting over here with my spiritual director. I don't know if you've ever heard of a spiritual director. It's someone that's trained to meet with people, and it's not counselor or anything, that, but they just direct you in a time with the Lord. And so uh, I go meet her. We go to her house. I go to her house. There's no chit-chat. She welcomes me. I'm so glad to see you. Sometimes I say, I try to say, how, how, how are you? She's like, we'll be right in here because no talking. No talking. And we get in there, and I sit down in this chair. And she, she sits down in this chair, and there's a candle, and it's lit, and it represents the, the Spirit of God, the presence of God. And then she'll say, do you just want to take a moment and breathe? And even if I don't want to, I just say yes because I feel like she wants me to. I feel like I should. So I just breathe. Yes. And then we put our hands. I put my hands out like this. And then she, uh, she says, would you like me to open in prayer? I'm like, mm-hmm. So then she'll pray, and we invite the Holy Spirit to be with us and for us to be mindful of him. And then uh, we sit, and we wait, and we wait to see what the Lord might have us to, to do, see what he has to say. Sometimes we wait five minutes, 10. I don't know if I've ever made it to 15. I might have made something up at that point. I don't know. Because I'm like, well, I don't know what to say. Dude. What are we doing? All right. Um, so, all right. That's all right. She, she doesn't penalize me. So, uh, the spiritual, so we wait. And, and, and I'm telling you, Jesus has said some stuff in there. I've had some significant experiences where I've seen something or the Lord has shown me something in that time of spiritual direction. That's the total opposite of executive coaching. But God is working both of them together. You know what I'm saying? Then there's days when I just journal. I journal every negative, pitiful thought I have. Everything that's bad, I, I just blow it all out in the paper. But then I also did a 21-day brain detox where... Dr. Caroline Leaf, with, in Scripture, teaches me how to starve the toxic trees and thought in my mind and build new fruit trees, grow new ones, right? So, so one minute I'm just like, Pah! then I'm like trying to take captive every single one and trying to think of what I'm doing. Two totally different things, both necessary. It's kind of a flip the grip type of thing so that my faith can be built, every piece of it, every muscle part of it, my faith can grow stronger. 
This is what it means to flip the grip. Whether it's day to day or how you're doing it, what you're doing, it can look totally different. Both things matter. Or it might be in how you're thinking. I needed more clothes for working out because that's the only fun part about it. So I went to the store again because I was so proud of myself. I've been doing it a whole week. I needed something else. And, I, and it's not hard to sell Iron Man Dave that I need money for workout clothes because he is a proponent of these things. So uh, there I am, and I go to a place called Academy Sports and Fitness. I don't know if you have those here, um, but uh, I go in there. Now, you know, first of all, I've never been there by myself. I've only gone with Dave a couple times, so, uh, you know, it's not where I hang. But I go driving over there because they sell these workout clothes, and I'm in there. And I walk in, and here is this man that I recognize. He is the greeter at the door. His name is Doug Mann. Now, if you've been around here long enough, uh, if you happen to know Doug Dowdy on the prayer team, it's, it's the same as like Doug becoming 80 years old and moving to Nashville. It was like he was there in some other appearance. It's the same kind of guy, okay? So, so it was interesting to me because I'm thinking of Doug Dowdy, but here's Doug Mann. Doug Mann says, um, Kimberly, because I'd met him before. He was a chaplain at a hospital for refugees in the city of Nashville. And, uh, and so, and, and in ministry his whole life and, and goes to the, this, this church. And we'd, I'd met him before. There he is. He's the greeter. I said, what are you doing? And he says, uh, well, they reorganized. And they, so they let me go as the chaplain. He says, you know, I'm 80 now. And I said, Maybe you should retire. He says, oh, I'm not retiring. I'm working till the day I die. The Lord's got things to do. I said, all right. He says, so I just came over here. I'm the greeter. I said, I see that. He goes, so what are you doing? I said, well, I'm not doing anything. He says, well, how's the church? I go, I don't work there now. He goes, you don't. He says, what's that about? So we talk for a minute about it. I mean, and I hardly said anything. And he's like, Kimberly, I got to tell you something. I'm like, oh, here it comes. And he says, now Kimberly, he says, in this world, there are godly women. There are women who are virtuous, who love Jesus, who are hospitable. They are, they are incredible. They are important. They do great things. They are, they are lovely, and they are godly women, and that matters. He said, but, Kimberly, there are also women of God. And a woman of God is one who has those qualities also. But they just call down the Holy Spirit and they ask for God to heal people and they look for the transformation of souls and they live like their life depended on it. And Kimberly, that's you. And I was like, you know it, Doug, you know it. I was like, I am so glad I came to Academy Fitness, right? <laughs> this place got better right in the door. And, um, and I thought, Man, I, I needed that, right? Because, because I have been very cautious because I'm trying to be a godly woman. I want to handle my season of adversity with great maturity, and I, and I want to do that. But, in, but there's something along the way, you know, you wait long enough, you go through a season of adversity long enough, it starts to weigh down on you, and you forget that you are a woman or man of God, and there is going to be something different coming from this. We are living in the presence of God and the power of Holy Spirit lives within us and we are his and there is a new song coming. It is going to happen. And it just helped me to flip the grip, 
right? See, you know, you know, you know what I am saying. You know what I'm saying. And, and I'm hoping that all of us, that we would not just be godly people, but that we would be the people of God. And we are going to follow the Holy Spirit every day. And each day, as it brings something new, as he leads us in a new way, when we are in his presence, when we're following him, when we are remembering where our, our light is coming from, when we remember who is our stronghold, those things, even on a day when we are pleading for God's help and there are tears, we are no less his and his work is no less prevalent. It is all working together. I want you to look at the last two verses of the psalm. Number 13, he goes back after his plea for help. I am certain that I will see the Lord's goodness The Lord's goodness, the mercy, the grace, the love, the forgiveness, the righteousness in the land of the living. And he says, wait for the Lord. Now I want you to hear hear this. He says, wait for the Lord. David is talking to himself. He's not telling us. He's not telling someone else. He's talking to himself. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart be courageous. I know you kind of don't. He's thinking that. He knows He's like, I don't know if I should be courageous. It doesn't seem like things are working out. And he's telling himself, wait for the Lord. Be strong. Let your heart be courageous. Wait for the Lord. And he tells himself. That is important to note. Now, if you've got friends who are with you in a season of adversity and they know you and they know the details and they know who you are, they know what you're up against, and you are with them and they are saying to you, you just need to wait on the Lord. That's one thing. When you meet somebody that you don't really know and, and you're talking to them and they see you're in a season of adversity and they don't know anything and they just look at you in the grocery store and they're like, well, you just need to wait on the Lord. And you're just like, shut up. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I appreciate, I know, I know you're taking that from the word of the Lord. I know, it's, I know you're trying to encourage me, but you don't know what you're talking about. You know what I'm saying? You're like, that's fine. Now, a friend in the, in the pit with you who knows, who knows the struggle, who's, who's going with you, that's one thing. But you know who the best person to tell you to wait for the Lord is? Yourself. To believe in God. You remind yourself and you let your heart be courageous. That is what it is about. And so I don't know if you're in a situation today, a season of adversity. I don't know what's up. And you're looking around and this thing is not tied up in a bow and you don't see any ribbon laying around? I understand. But here's the deal. God is with us. His love is steadfast. He is the one who knows. He is the one with the answers. He is the one doing the transformational work in you that would be done no other way except through this season. He has not left you. And there is a new song coming. And you just need to wait for it. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to wait for it. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for these people, for this church, for all that you are doing here. And Lord God, for those who are here in a season of adversity, and it has seemed long even maybe, but Lord God, remind us you're with us. Remind us that you love us. Remind us that you will work these things out for our good because we love you. And Lord, help us to be people of faith, people of you. And may your Holy Spirit just pour in and out of us 
through us to others. May we be a witness. May we tell the story of how much you love and care for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hi, this is Pastor Sean Beatty from Clovis Hills Community Church. I want to thank you for listening to the podcast. Hey, I encourage you to download the Clovis Hills app on your phone. With the app, you can do all kinds of things like prayer requests, live notes, giving. I also encourage you to check out our uh, Facebook Live page if, if you want to watch online. You can come to our services live. They're Saturday nights at 6 o'clock, Sundays at 9 a.m. and 1040. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast.